scholars are divided on which book came first. Uh, some people say Mark came first. Some people say Matthew came first. But there are two of the synoptic gospels with Luke that parallel a lot of the same stories written in different forms. Matthew, as we've known from the beginning, was written to the Jews with a Jewish focus. John Mark wrote what Peter preached. Um, and, and so it came through the eyes of Peter in, in Mark. Luke wrote as the great physician, or as a physician. And uh, he has that slant. So uh, this particular chapter, chapter 15, is, is uh, almost verbatim in, well, the topics are in Mark chapter 7 and Mark chapter 8. Okay, let's begin with um, back up a little bit into Matthew 14 verse 34 um, as, as uh, Peter was walking on the water and the Lord saved him there and in verse 34 it says and when they crossed over they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word to all the surrounding districts and brought to him all who were sick. And they implored him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched were cured. Then some of the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders now I've said many many times in here that everything we know about the Christian life is in the pages of this book nothing else really matters but what's in the pages of this book if you've, if you've followed Pastor Bobby on Wednesday night and he's talking about the rebellion of the people of, of uh, Israel and it gets worse and worse and worse and God finally said, I've had enough. And he used a foreign power, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to come and besiege Jerusalem and take them into captivity. Jeremiah said that they'd be there for 70 years. He said, go, um, obey the laws, be fruitful, build gardens, marry. And as it was promised at the end of, of the, this exile period, Second uh, Chronicles talks about it in the very end of the book. It says that Cyrus, um, who was a... Uh, Persian emperor at the time he says anybody that wants to go back to Jerusalem can so at that time of going back the rabbis started what we know today as the oral tradition it's not it's not the Torah which is the first five books of the Bible the Pentateuch which, which the Jewish people hold very dear. 
but it's a lot of other things that they added. And and it was it it got to be very burden burdensome on them. And I'm sure that the scribes and Pharisees there in Jerusalem it says uh, we're going to go out and check on this guy called Jesus. What do we need to ask him? And somebody said, well, why is he breaking the traditions of the elders? And that's how they grew up. These people grew up looking to the scribes and Pharisees as being the authority. And he says, you know, this is what we need to do. And he, then he says, the latter part of verse 15, 15 chapter 2, chapter 15, verse 2, this is their complaint. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Well, when I was growing up, my mother said, Billy, you wash your hands. <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of, but it wasn't breaking a tradition of the elder. It might be breaking mama's tradition, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a tradition of the elder because they had very strict things to do. And what is happening here is that they're putting the law, the law that Jesus uh, came to fulfill, and he did. They he they came with the, the book, and yet they put more they put more weight on the oral tradition than they put on the Bible. And that gets to be a problem. It's a problem today. When our Mormon friends or our Jehovah's uh, witness, um, yeah, Jehovah Witness friends come to knock on your door, uh, they say they have no problem with the word. But as soon as you uh, show some interest, they said, well, let me show you the Book of Mormon, or let me show you Watchtower Publication of Scripture. And they put more emphasis on that than they do on the book, on what we have. And that's a slippery slope, and Jesus talks about that in just a few minutes. We need to be true to what he says. Everything that's written in this book is true. We hold two, three basic tenets um, of the faith. Number one, that the Bible is true. It's, it's true from the first page to the last page. Salvation is through Jesus' shed blood plus, plus nothing. It's by faith alone that we have in his righteousness that we're saved. It's, it's nothing else we can do. It's by faith alone in Jesus. So that's basically the, the story of our faith once we come to know him um, and the Holy Spirit is within us. Uh, we're new people. And we have a changed heart. We should have a changed heart. If our heart's not changed, that's a checkpoint. You need to you need to check up and see where you are. Now, I've quit watching te uh, television uh, as far as the news is concerned. I I do still do my YouTube watching, 
But uh, they're, they're building cabins in the Northwest or something down there. <laughs> but, but the problem we have today is, is love. Love doesn't, love settles the whole thing. You know, where, wherever your point of view is, if you uh, treat your fellow man like you want to be treated in love, you're okay. You're okay. But when we get out on these fringes, that's when things just kind of fall apart. So in verse 3, Jesus said to them, um, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? He's not even talking about hand washing. He's talking about something a little bit more important. Verse 4. For God said, Honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. And that's a quote from Exodus 20, 12, where, where um, uh, the Ten Commandments were given, the Fifth Commandment. Honor your father and your mother. Um, Paul went a little bit further with that particular thing and added a thing that, that it says, but he says in Ephesians 6, he said, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What was the promise? Your days would be long. Also, Leviticus says, if you curse your mom and daddy, stone them, put them to death. That's how, that's how important God said the relationship is between children and their mother and daddy. They're to be honored in everything. Verse 5, but you said, whosoever says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father and his mother. And by this you invalidate the word of God for the sake of tradition. I've told you that GodQuestions.org is a is a site that I go to, and it's uh, very it's very good. This is what they say: the answer to the Pharisees' question. Jesus told them that they had rejected the commandment of God in order to keep their own tradition. Jesus gives the proof of their corruption of the law by citing their use of Corbin. Now that's just mentioned in. In, in Luke, uh, excuse me, Mark, but it's the same principle here. But the Pharisees ne negated the command by teaching that they could give money to the temple in lieu of helping their parents in need. Whatever money might have been used to provide for aging parents could be dedicated to the temple treasury instead. And that's basically what Jesus says here 
in verse 5. Whatever says to his father or his mother, whatever I have, I would help you, has been given to God. He is not to honor his father and his mother. And by this you have invalidated the word of God for the sake of your traditions. God said, honor your father and your mother. But through these oral traditions and through things that have come down that were not part of the book, that says, well, um, we're okay if we just give it to the, to the synagogue. And some things I read this week says that sometimes they didn't do it, they just said they did. Um, we've never been in that black cell. Verse 7. This is Jesus talking. You hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips. But their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me. Teaching as the doctrines the precepts of men. Our liturgical friends, our Catholic friends, Episcopalian friends, some Methodists, have a, a thing on Ash Wednesday. They're pretty faithful to go to Ash Wednesday to get their ashes. My background is from Louisiana. Mardi Gras is a big thing in, in Louisiana. It's Fat Tuesday. Bill's words, it's a drunken brawl. It's a, it's a last flame before Ash Wednesday. You give up something. I know people in my own family that are very faithful to have their ashes. Very faithful to give up a Milky Way for a Snickers. I, that's me, but anyway. <laughs> doing, doing something crazy. But the rest of their life, you know, they miss it. You know? Some of them pro-abortion. Uh, and they miss what the book says. But you see, they're keeping a law or a tradition that came from wherever. Rome or anywhere else. We need to be very careful that we follow the book, not the traditions of men. If you follow the book, you're in excellent company. It might not be popular. It might not be a lot of things. But it's, it's, it's where to be. And the difference is the traditions of men and following the book, it's a matter of the heart. Jesus said it himself in Isaiah in verse 8. It's a it's a quote from Isaiah 29, 13. But this people honor me with their lips. 
but their heart is far from me. Your heart is far from me. Let me say a little bit more about this thing of tradition. Uh, all traditions are not bad. Uh, Paul in 2 Thessalonians says, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brother and beloved, by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification and the spirit of faith and truth. It was this he called you through our gospel that many of you gained the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by the word of mouth or by letter or from us. So traditions in themselves are not bad. taking care of our own. Timothy said, but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. King James says you're worse than an infidel. We need to take care of our own. We do. Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is going to talk about this eating bread with unwashed hands in just a minute. But, but the part of this uh, scripture is that Out of the heart. Be careful who you follow when people add to the scriptures. Okay, verse 10. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said, and he said, and he kind of, this is Bill's paraphrase, but he kind of shook his finger at him. He said, Hear and understand this. It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth. This defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? You know? The disciples here, you know, these were the leaders, and they had been taught to look up to him. And he says, Jesus, you know you've offended those people? Look what Jesus said, verse 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Verse 14. Let them alone. 
They may be blind guides of the blind. If a blind man guides a blind man, both fall into a pit. There comes a time when you can defend the gospel and you should. But if they persist, Jesus said, leave them alone. Just leave them alone. Um, <laughs> you can't convince anybody of anything on Facebook. <laughs> and yet people try every day. Let me tell you what I think about this. Well, <laughs> they're, anyway, leave them alone. <laughs> leave them alone. Verse 15. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Jesus said, are you lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth and passes into the stomach is eliminated? But the thing that pro proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. I've said before in here, you know, be sure you're brain is in motion before you put your mouth in gear. The whole thing about sticks and stones will break my bones but words will never hurt me. That's a lie straight from heaven to hell. Because people will remember words you said 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. What you said, you know. Husbands, be careful what you say. Put your mouth in your mouth in, um, your brain in motion before you put your mouth in here. But the things that come out of the mouth, those defile the man. Verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, slanders. Look at that list. Most every one of those lists takes premeditation. You have to think about it. We've often said, you don't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to have an affair today. That's not how it works. The devil in his cunningness will take it. A little wink or pat on the back and before long you're in his trap. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornication, thefts, false witness, and slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. But the rabbis and the Pharisees and the scribes have taken this thing to so, so extreme that they were, they, they were concerned about the washing of a cup. And uh, God question says the Pharisees about ritual without reality. 
it was not for cleanliness, rather it was for the prescribed ritual as shown as a show of piety. We have a lot of that that Jesus brought out. He said, you know, when they give to the treasury, you know, they want everybody to know what they give to the treasury. When they pray, they want to be on the street corner and and, uh, and let everybody see them pray. So this hand-washing thing, everybody wants to see that we did it right. We did it right. Jesus said, no, it's not, it's not the washing of a cup. He says, it's what comes from the heart. What comes from the heart. Okay, we're changing subjects now, and we're going to talk about a uh, about a Syrophoenician woman who was a Canaanite, who was a Gentile. In Scripture, we have two classes of people. We have the Jews, Paul calls them circumcision, and we have the Gentiles. And Jesus came to his own, John 1 says, and his own received him not. So let's read this beginning verse 21. Jesus went away from there, withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from the region came and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And he sent his disciples away and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. Let me read that again. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came unto his own. Verse 25. But she said and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. The dogs was a term that, that the Jews used a lot as reference to the Gentiles. Verse 27. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. It's real interesting how we kind of put people in categories. Um, the... Uh, This is from Dr. Ryle, which was an old 
British preacher of the contemporary to to uh, to um, oh me say it again Bill Spurgeon. Spurgeon thank you he says faith was found when it was least expected and this Gentile woman um, she knew who Jesus was Lord son of David she implored him, my daughter is demon-possessed. And you know, you know, she she loved her daughter and she'd been everywhere to get help, I'm sure. But he didn't answer, Jesus didn't, but listen what his what his disciples said. Send her away. She keeps shouting at us. Yeah. Sometimes we as Christians are less compassionate than we need to be. Sometimes it might be a nuisance. Sometimes it's up in our way, in our in our face, so to speak. Send them away. We just want to forget it, let it be done of it. In some cases, this lady's child had an affliction, and that affliction quickly, the end of this story turned into a blessing. Sometimes we fight things that happen to us. Um, it can be a blessing. And then she was she persevered and Jesus told her, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. The Old Testament widow who fed Elijah and she just kept making biscuits and kept making biscuits and all kept coming. And, uh, and we, we don't know sometimes who we're entertaining, as Scripture says, maybe an angel unaware. Verse 29. Departing from there, Jesus went along the Sea of Galilee, and having gone up to the mountain, he was sitting there. Large crowds came to him, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute. Many others were laid down at his feet, and he healed. And he healed them. So the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the cripple restored, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. So these were Gentiles that he was healing. And, and they glorified the God of Israel. Pastor Bobby been going through Wednesday nights and he's been talking about it. He'll continue. He, I think we'll be in, uh, in Deuteronomy. We'll be in Joshua next next time we meet. And, um, and if you obey me, <laughs> God's blessings 
would come. And uh, we, he cautioned us that that was an Old Testament thing, that, that sometimes today uh, that same principle could apply, but it could not apply. And uh, But when you're on God's side, you always win. Always win. Maybe not in this life, but in the life to come. So these, these people who were um, Gentiles marveled and they said, surely this is the God of Israel. Now just last chapter, chapter 14, we had the feeding of the 5,000. Now we have a very similar thing of the reading of the feeding of the 4,000. Verse 32. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, or they might faint on the way. So this this crowd that that the the, the Canaanite woman whose daughter was healed, this crowd that had all these people healed, they had been with Jesus for three days, according to Scripture. And he says, he says, we don't need to send them away hungry. <laughs> the disciples said to him where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy, satisfy such a large crowd <laughs> how short is their memory <laughs> how short is our memory he just he just fed 5,000. Hart led us last time and he says, we only have five loaves and two fishes. Well, in the 4,000, he said, verse, verse 34, we have seven and a few small fish. How many loaves do you have? He said, we have seven of these small fish. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves of the fish, giving thanks. He broke them and started giving them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. There were 12 baskets in the 5,000. So they ate more. No. Verse 38. And those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. <clears throat> When we pray, Luke told us to keep on praying. Pray and keep on praying. And I understand there's, there's power in that. 
for us. God's, we're not, we're not making God do anything. But when we're sincere to pray, <coughs> he'll, he'll answer us. But I know, I know he kind of gets fed up with us sometimes when he says, I did this. <laughs> I fed 5,000. Then, then you're wondering how I'm going to feed 4,000? As Art said, it was a lesson for the disciples, but they didn't learn it, evidently. Because here they come back to the same question. Same question. Do we ever do that? Do we ever just ask for the same thing when we've seen this miracle and we've seen this blessing and we come right back again we need to be we need to be real careful but ask him he doesn't mind being asked look back in your own as you were a mother or a dad you know Sometimes you got provoked when your children kept coming with the same old question, but you had the same old answer. <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's the same thing. You're glad to answer your children and to meet their needs because you're doing it from your, your heart. And the, the Lord is in the same way. It's because of his heart and because he loves you and because he wants God's best for you that he continues uh, to pour out his heart. Well, I'm run over. So uh, we need to stop. Thank you. We'll pick up in chapter 16 next week. And um, you sweet people that will help wipe the tables down, I, I appreciate it. And I think this stuff is still up here. Um, let's bring in prayer for the further service and uh, we'll go from here. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for blessings. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you that we can read it and we can understand it. And Father, let us not be bogged down in your traditions that we, we heap upon ourselves that don't really matter. But let's continue to stay in the book and, and follow what the Lord tells us to do. We'll be careful, careful to praise you for everything. Bless us now as we go. In Jesus' name we ask you.